0: Watch this immediately. Watch this immediately. Damn, that music goes down so smooth. You're listening once again to Watch This Immediately, the podcast where... The pop-cultural inadequacies of its hosts dance like a monkey for your amusement. <laughs> me? You know who I am. I'm Stephen. I'm one of your hosts. With me, as my other host, is America's podcasting boyfriend, Manir. here. Exactly. And tonight, we've got a special treat for you, as we always do. This is something that I have no relevant information about, so I'm going to turn it over to Manir. Well, you know,
1: uh, first I will say that you'd expressed a certain level of
0: uh, uh, negativity towards this to me. I remain unconvinced. Okay. Let's say that. Okay. I'm here, I am ready to be talked into the greatness of what we have experienced here. Okay. But I was not able to get there on my own. Gotcha. gotcha. So.
1: All right. So, for those who um, remember the last episode, or you know, if you're listening to this in in a sequential order, you're a today, psychopath. We're going to go over the rap battle between the Hieroglyphics crew and the Hobo Junction crew, both uh, in the Bay Area, San Francisco, and this battle happened in 1994, I believe. Okay.
0: So. Now, give us some context for this, because I knew nothing about this. Of course. So the, the two main rappers who were beefing,
1: as it, as it were, mm-hmm. Saphir and Casual. Is, and, and, you know, as you talk more about these rap beefs, you realize that a lot of it is very schoolyard. Yeah. And so... That's fair. <laughs> what, what happened was... Saphir did a skit on Casual's first album, which was was widely thought of as like super
0: awesome. It was fine. It wasn't. It wasn't that any great shakes. I have yet to hear any skit from the '90s that's that great. Yeah, to be honest.
1: But you know. This skit, people were like, oh my god, this guy Saphir, he's, he's so edgy, he's so out there. Okay, all right. And, uh, and so, you know, Saphir, he got himself a major major label record deal, just like Casual had. On the, on the strength of a skit? No, no, no. He was, he was well known in the area as a battle rapper. Okay. And so, you know, he'd been, he'd been around for a few years. All right, that's He'd great. actually also been uh, part of Digital Underground for a couple of years.
0: Now, is this the, uh, like, Humpty Dance Sex no, no, Packets no. Era? So this is like, Return of the Crazy One era, or even yes. before all of No, those? Return of the Crazy One, that album. Okay. He was he was on there on a couple of
1: songs. Okay. And um, the, the songs that he was on on, the, on that album, um, God, it was, like, the Body Hat Syndrome, I believe is what it's called. <laughs> it was, like, it, it was very indicative of the music he would later make in that the beats and his delivery are, like, not really in sync. Like he just has this very unique style where he he doesn't really rap along the beat. He's kind of like rapping on top of it, under
0: it, over it, and beside it. So kind of like Aesop Rock, where it's it can be kind of lackadaisical mm-hmm. or okay. both. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, he's got a lot of lot
1: of as as they say styles, right. and he's able to you know be fairly fairly uh, like a chameleon on the mic. Now that being said. So Safir invited Casual To be on his first album And uh, Saphir's album Was called Boxcar Sessions It's, well, it's, it's Applauded as one of the you know, uh, Achievements of mid-90s Indie, indie hip-hop And um, Safir, He was left waiting by Casual He was at the stu- at the studio And Casual sa- keeps saying to him Yeah, yeah, man, I'm on the way but he wasn't on the way. Was he getting the handjob? No one knows what he was doing. Getting the handjob. The only thing is, though, casual never appeared.
0: And Saphir took this... Pretty good handjob. <laughs> Saphir took this as the greatest insult. If he had known how good the handjob was... Yeah. you yeah. know, Yeah. So, simple explanation. Could have solved a whole <laughs> bunch of problems here.
1: So, so uh, Saphir, you know, then, he went to... A, uh, a venue, I think it's called the uh, the Cow Palace in San Francisco, where Casual was was putting on a concert, and he went on stage at this concert and battled Casual at his own on his own turf, as it were. And and Casual took this as as the greatest insult to him.
0: That would make sense to me. That's kind of a major insult. Yes, the other one could be perceived as an insult. This is an actual insult. Correct. And so. At this point,
1: uh, KMEL, the local hip hop station, mm-hmm. decided that they they couldn't have this sort of uh, sort of animosity amongst local rappers. Bad blood, and so they decided not good for anybody. <laughs> they decided to have both of these crews um, appear at the studio and and have a battle. Now. One, so here's here's one thing that's uh, that's that that was a what if in this case. So you know of gorillas, right? Yeah. Dell, the rapper on Gorillas, mm-hmm. he's part of the Hieroglyphics crew. Okay, one of the founding members, actually. All
0: right, that's good
1: to know. He's also Ice Cube's cousin, FYI. And Dell was like, "I'm out of this. I'm not dealing with this." And so, in a sense, people think Because Saphir was thought of as being on, like, Dell's level As far as lyricism and wittiness and uh, just overall creativity And, you know, just being a fan of this battle And having listened to it, I, I would say probably hundreds of times Really? Oh yeah, okay But, you know, it's like it's Like, so, like a, a kid, man, who grew up in the, the mid-2000s Watched white chicks when he was like eight loves it that 's kind of how it is.
0: I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. This came into my life at, at the right time. I could see that, yeah because I could definitely see if i were a, if I were in junior high or high school at the time, this would mean a lot more to me than it than it meant to me listening to it at the age of forty five yeah exactly and, and you know i
1: I actually uh, Kind of a, a rap hipster back then. A raster. Yeah. And so so this kind of dovetails into um, the kind of online hip-hop community at the time, too. Because there were these Usenet groups. And the one that I was on that a lot of other people were on was called rec.music.hiphop. hop <laughs> Or RMHH, as those in the know would call it. All right and i i got i got a tape of this from a dude on rmhh wow yeah like like he mailed it to me at my dorm <laughs> and i listened to it a lot and and you know <clears throat> a lot of sophia's like insults i i have memorized what are your favorites give me your top three um I mean, my favorite, my favorite, which I would say to many people is, did your mama ever tell you that you was my son? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That was his opening.
0: (laughs) All right. All right.
1: You know. And uh, I also liked uh, when he called Casual a living titty. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) And when he said, uh, when he said, oh, join our crew, we'll call you Fat Cock. You can be my, you can hold my Jock Draws mascot. (laughs) That was pretty good too, Shakespearean. Yeah, and so you know, I was I was a twenty year old young man at the time, and so these things were very, very witty and very uh, erudite to me. Okay, but yeah, so you know, that was the kind of uh, backdrop in which I came into this, because you know, like there would be these these discussions on RMHH about yo who won, and I'm going to tell you straight up. If Dell had been in this rap in this battle, it would have been much better and evenly matched. But you had Saphir, who was like a cut above everyone else, and then like Casual and those guys, they were all just kind of like Casual is kind of okay, but they're all basically trash. Mm-hmm. And Saphir was the only one who was coming with like the real the real zingers. Now I think you've noticed that there were several. Uh, allusions to, you know, written and things of like, things of this nature. You may have noticed this. Yes. And that was a accusation by Casual that Sophia had come to a freestyle battle with pre-written raps.
0: And that brings to mind something that I was curious about in this because I'm not familiar with the, with the freestyle rap Mm -hmm. community. I'm not familiar with battle rapping, I know that it exists, of course, but I think there's probably some similarities to improv comedy in okay. that, in improv comedy, a lot of people have their little tricks that they use to get through things. And if you watch somebody do enough, you'll see patterns. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, I was wondering as I was listening to this, if it were possible, I know this. This has all been lost to time. But if it, were be, if it were possible to get recordings of the various battles that these people had been in, to get a breakdown of the things that just came up over and over and over. Oh, yeah. Because I feel like a lot of these people probably had the same things that they said over and over and over. And they weren't necessarily writing down everything before they did it. They just had things that they that would immediately come off the dome that they used all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I just wonder how much of that you know when they talked about having things written out beforehand that's what it made me think of it's like mm-hmm. well they probably use a lot of the same tricks over and over and over and so it would be easy to say oh yeah you write all your rhymes yeah there were i mean
1: there were some so to answer answer a couple of the points you made there were i guess allegations that he had either outright written them down and memorized them mm-hmm. And other people say that while he was in the studio, while like casual and other members of the Hieroglyphics crew were uh, rapping, he was like writing down his his responses, which was seen as as unacceptable. <laughs> so, like Lincoln Douglas debate, you're allowed to take a couple of notes while the yeah. other guy's doing his. Yeah. And and on the other battles, um, the Hieroglyphics crew did did do some other battles that are like on YouTube. Um, like I think in one they've they uh, battled some of the lesser members of the Wu-Tang clan, <laughs> and so you know there's
0: there's stuff out there, so if somebody wants to go to the trouble of breaking down the references in these, I would be fascinated to know, yeah, but I'm not going to pay you anything anyway <clears throat> for it now
1: I'll go on and 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 describe some more of like the context here, and so you know the the beginning of the battle, you'll hear um, davy D. And Sway, who are both like these, you know, very famous um, DJs. And Sway, I've heard of. Yep, Sway was on MTV for a while. Okay, and DVD is you know also well known, um, just within the hip hop community. He had, he had his he had this uh, site for a while called the Davey D's Hip Hop Corner that I used to go to all the time. Mm-hmm. Um. So the hieroglyphics ultimately, I think, had the better overall careers. Um, because you know you had you had um, three distinct acts within that that collective. You had Del, the Funky Homo Sapien, who was also part of Gorillas, and then uh, Deltron Thirty Thirty. Um, you had Casual, who he's he he didn't really do much of anything, and then you had the Souls of Mischief, who had a couple of albums, and so that was Taje, who by far was the worst rapper in this battle. He's the one who just, like, started saying things and just didn't make any sense and didn't really even rhyme. Um, Opio, a.k.a. Oak Lindsay, and then uh, Pep Love. <clears throat> the Hobo Junction, you had Sophia, and I think that the rest of the Hobo Junction crew were, were inferior to the rest of the hieroglyphics. And so it was... It was slightly tipped towards Hobo Junction because all of Hobo Junction was pretty trash. Whereas the hieroglyphics, actually, they were at a level below Saphir, but not, not as bad as Saphir's comrades. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then, you know, so in the middle of this battle, as you heard, there was a fight in the studio. And uh, that that song that you heard uh, while the fighting was going on—that was a Souls of Mischief song—and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, man, it was—it was very. There was a lot of animosity. Now this was going. This went out live. Yeah. Okay. And so it was on terrestrial radio, and they were saying some very salty words.
0: I was going to ask, what was the FCC fine
1: situation? <laughs> I don't know. I've I, I I need to look into that. But yeah, I'm pretty sure there were fines. There would I would think there would be. But. At the same time, I don't think there were too many people
0: who were not fans of, of rap listening to KMEL. That was the other side. I was kind of wondering if it was just because it was a quote-unquote black station that yeah. no one really gave much of a fuck. I, I think that was part of it, hmm. yeah. And if there
1: were fines, I think the eventual publicity that was uh, generated by this battle like outweighed it. That would make sense. And so, I mean, in, ba- in Bay Area rap lore, this is seen as a somewhat big event. Okay. You know, and it's it's very niche. Like, most people won't have heard of it. But, you know, it's like I said to you, the people who are in the know, they'll, they'll be like, oh, yeah, I mean, I think hieroglyphics totally won it. Or, yeah, Hobo Junction was all
0: over it, man. But most people will probably not have an opinion. Hmm. So if you haven't heard this... Pause it right now. Mm-hmm. It's on YouTube. Go ahead and listen to it, and then come back. Hyro versus Hobo battle, and also with you. Yeah. Now
1: that we've listened to this, you know I will say the opening lines from Saphir and all of his bars pretty solid. You have any? Idea, you have any thoughts? Any
0: notes? We were discussing this before we started recording. And I will say again, the best junior high talent show that I've ever witnessed is still a junior high talent show. (laughs) And so to say that it's the best junior high talent show I've ever witnessed is still damning with faint praise. Because I still had to spend my time watching a junior high talent show. I, It's not... Shocking anyone to say that I can't freestyle rap. Mm-hmm. Um, but I once went to a meeting of the Kansas City Jugglers Club. I can't juggle either. I was very impressed by what everyone was there to do. I'm never going back, and I'm, I have no great thoughts about anything that happened there. This is the same kind of thing. These are people who are good (laughs) I guess at what they're doing they it seemed like they were dropping mad rhymes with a at least 45% accuracy rate in some cases but at the end of the day I bounced off of this hard and I, I didn't want to Oh, um fine. but it was remember the first time that you heard or saw an advertisement for Viagra? <laughs> okay. And the disclaimer played and you heard about a four hour erection. And your first thought was like, Man, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> four hour erection, that sounds pretty that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> 45-minute rap battle. That sounds pretty cool. That's fun. I'd like that. And then you start to think about it, and you're like, man, how long did my longest erection last when I was like 14, 15 years old? It wasn't anywhere near four hours. That that might not be a great thing to have a four-hour erection. And then you start to read up about the, the practicalities of it and the horrible things that can happen to you with an erection that long, and you're like, oh, God. No, this isn't good at all. Mm. I can't believe I thought this might be a positive thing. Mm. This rap battle is a four-hour erection. (laughs) It sounds like a great idea, and then when you're in hour number four and everything just hurts and you're afraid that you're going to have to have your penis amputated, Yeah, you're regretting ever thinking that it sounded like a positive thing. Look, I mean, I'm I'm going to tell you
1: that personally... I would only listen until Safir is, like, totally done with all his verses. Because after that, it's trash. I I admit this to
0: you. And at what minute mark is that? Uh, Probably about 35. That's still so far in. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, okay, fine. You can skip over Tajay
1: because he's trash, too. It's just... But just hearing Safir, man,
0: something about it. There was no one in there whose flow particularly grabbed me. Hmm. And that might have something to do with the improvisational nature of it. You don't have the ability in that amount of time probably to both craft the lyrics you want to do and do too much that is um, outside of the box with the flow. Right. And so I recognize that it's... It's not the same as listening to you know something that Snoop Dogg worked at for a few days before he you know got up got up in the the studio and recorded it or you know or any great rapper you know it's it's different from listening to you know a classic from Ice Cube mm-hmm. but still um, there were a lot of surprising recurring themes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the most surprising to me was I went to your house and you weren't nice to me. <laughs> um that with, with people spitting vitriol at each other, I guess I expected a little more than, you know, hey, I was over at your crib and you made me play Luigi on Super Mario hey, Brothers I,
1: I I I don't know if you
0: if you caught this, but
1: uh, in in Opio's verse, he he made the brag
0: that uh my pops is your lawyer. <laughs> I did not catch that. Small bonus point. Small bonus point. Um, yeah, there's uh, the the word vagina. Yeah, comes up multiple times. Which it does. Uh, I just I expected that vaginas would be referenced. Yeah. I was not expecting the clinical term. I mean, they use so, both, so that was a surprise. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh, yeah. pussy, I was expecting. Yeah. just all of a sudden, hey, let's talk about vagina. <laughs> that was a kind of a surprise. That that was a spicy meatball in the spaghetti that was this particular rap battle. Um, Yeah, the so tiring. Um, (laughs) It lasted, I was surprised. I was making dinner while this was happening, and it, uh, man, it was just, it exhausted me. It was confounding. But at least it was confounding, whereas All Eyes on Me, that was infuriating and boring at the same time. This was at least provocative. I was I was listening to this and I was like, okay, wow, yeah, it's like that time I saw a guy ride a unicycle. I was like, I can't do that, but I don't want to. Mm. Like, I'm glad that this guy put so much effort into this thing that is confounding to me because mm. it makes him happy. These these guys are happy. They're doing something that they enjoy. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I can appreciate that. Um, But as far as is this something I found enjoyable? Not exactly. But the confounding nature of it did make it at least worth my time. Mm -hmm. So I don't regret listening to this, but like I said, I bounced off of this hard. Okay. Just so hard. (laughs) Okay. I dig it, man. That's um, not for everyone. No, it, it, it's definitely not. Um, and I, I just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I see now. There are definitely better freestyles. Like, so what is it? This that. Um, you say they're a better freestyle so what is it about this one because the the thing itself did not impress me so it's what just, is the so just, why is the
1: thing important just all the mythology around it man all of the internet chatter back in the day because the internet was still a new thing and and you know just people making their opinions known were previously you know that wasn't really an option like you know in what two or three years before that, I would have just been one person in Kansas who maybe happened to get this tape and had no one to talk to about to it with, or talk about it with. You Sorry. know, this was something where we could all have strong opinions about it. We could dissect it, you know, just line by line, beat by beat. And uh, yeah, I mean that was that was something that. Made, uh, made me feel included in a community that most people were not in.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that's important context for this, because mm-hmm. it, just in a vacuum, I did not understand. Yo, but, but uh, one
1: thing that I've always found a little interesting is, towards the end, uh, Mike G., who came with the hieroglyphics, turns on them. Because he, 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 he was basically like, yeah, you know, I came with these Hyrule clowns, but I'm done with them. Like he says in his verse, you held me back for two years. And,
0: you know, now I'm just going to say whatever the hell I want and you guys are trash. So what kind of negotiation was going on in the background? I don't even know. Someone was like, hey, man, you hook up with our crew. We're going to get you like three packs of cigarettes every week. <laughs> but it's kind
1: of like then... They had so so the guy who was, you know, unfortunately the second most prolific member of the hieroglyphics to to be on this in this battle, Tajay, who is not good at at freestyling or battle rapping in the least. He was the one who answered it, and he was just basically like, like, yeah, you know, you were asking me how to use this word, and blah blah blah. I was like, man you embarrass yourself. Sit down. You're not good <laughs> at this. And, and what's what's ironic is that uh, I think it was the same year, maybe shortly after this, uh, Dell released his second album, and there's a song on there called Limitations, mm-hmm. and the chorus is MCs should know their limitations. <laughs> so is that a jab at this guy? I feel like maybe it was,
0: hmm. but I don't know. I don't know. No one knows. So do you want to tell people the way that you have honored the legacy of this rap battle? I mean, I listen to it. I've, I've kept
1: up with what uh, all of the participants have done. I can give you a little insight into what Casual, casual and Saphir have been up to. I'd love to hear that. But I was thinking about the more immediate. What? You have a cat named Saphir. Ah, yes, Correct. I do yes, I, I named him specifically for Saphir yes, because this is obviously something that means a lot to you. It does it does means a lot. Like uh, like Saphir, my cat. He's a, he's a, he's a scaredy cat. It's not an appropriate name for him, but but I I just I didn't know I, I I had to honor Saphir man. So when I brought that little guy home in 2014, I said, your name will be Saphir.
0: Mm-hmm. That's beautiful
1: mm-hmm. Now uh, I'm not going to talk about everyone Because I've, I've kept up with everyone Like I know what they put up to
0: Send each other Christmas
1: cards Yeah. So Casual later became A member of the Oakland,
0: California City Council <laughs> Please tell me that his nameplate Just said Casual
1: I hope it does <laughs>
0: now, Sophia
1: though much uh, much sadder tale, much sadder. So it it all began when Saphir was in Germany. For some unknown reason, he was hopping on and off trains. That's what you do. Perhaps you know he was he was in the hobo junction crew, so he felt he had to indulge in the hobo arts. You got to live like a hobo. Yes. Well, unfortunately, he. um Like, jumped off a train while it was moving and um, sustained a spinal injury as a result. Oh,
0: damn. Yeah. Curtis Mayfield himself.
1: And the injury actually never really got fully better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the spine just doesn't heal very easily, I'm afraid. And so, you know, he was out here trying to get all sorts of treatments and stuff. And and at the same time, he was trying to get out of his record deal because... His record deal was really terrible. Mm. You know, like it was mid '90s, man. Those all those deals were terrible. Yeah. And so, you know, for for a while, like between his uh, Boxcar Sessions album, which was released in 1994, um, and his second album, and actually his only other uh, major studio album, which was released, I think, in '99 or 2000, he didn't really do much of anything. Because you know anything he would have made would have gone to this, gone to the uh, label. Hmm. He did make one. He made an EP in 1998 under the name Mister No No. <laughs> okay. And uh, you know this was, it was just a way to get around this contract. But then, um, as I said, spinal injuries weren't getting better, and he ended up in a wheelchair, and the wheelchair. Was made necessary because he started using ecstasy very heavily. And apparently if you use ecstasy and don't keep yourself hydrated, it'll like leach your spinal fluid or it'll do something to where your spinal fluid is not right. So he was taking the worst possible drug for himself and he was taking a lot of it. Yes. Great. And uh, then, you know, he was getting pain medication and selling it on the streets because he needed money. Okay for his ecstasy or just to live in general and so yeah now I mean you know there have been th- th- there was this open letter penned by Shock G of Digital Underground before he passed which detailed all of what Zafir was up to Yikes. because you know basically Shock G was like man I don't know what to do with this guy like I'm, I've been trying to help him and he just doesn't want help so yeah now you know he's he, he I guess in 19 or no sorry 2017 and 2018 I've, those are the last pictures I've seen of him he's rolling out in a wheelchair onto the stage and rapping in some fashion but you know a rapper in a wheelchair is not you can't really be as fearsome no. as as you know Safir wanted uh, wanted people to think he was in this rap battle because he's pretty ferocious in the battle but yeah it's tough to be ferocious when you're in a wheelchair man I'm afraid so. But yeah, he's he's an average work-a-day Joe now. He doesn't really seem to have much money or anything. He just... He's kind of living living out the string. You really brought this down. Sorry. I don't believe you. <laughs> I think this was your aim all along. I, mean, I, I knew what Saphir's life had become. Made the podcast a real downer. So, you know, even though he was by far... To me, the biggest winner in this battle, he was the greatest
0: loser in life in general. Everything is a trade-off. Yeah. You win a really great rap battle, yeah. and you break your spine. To be
1: fair, I mean, what are you doing jumping off trains anyway? Come on, man. He's a huge fan of Anna Karenina. I guess so. <laughs> but yeah, so, and, and you know, the, the hieroglyphics actually... To to bring it to focus on that, they were um, they were like pioneers in online merchandising and kind of they they had a really big merch store in the late nineties. Man, interesting. Yeah, that was yeah, that's way ahead of the curve. Yeah, man, they would sell stickers. They even had like all of these uh, demos that like Dell lost his major major label deal after a second album, Mm -hmm. and so he had this whole third album that. And that was never actually released. And they were like, well, people want to hear this, so let's just sell it. And yeah, like the hieroglyphic store, I remember going to it when I was in college, and I was like, man, if I had money, I want to get
0: some of these things. And be sitting pretty. Because
1: yeah, they're, they're, their logo is actually pretty solid, man. It's like, a, it's like a happy face, but it's got three eyes, and the mouth is just like straight. So it's but a taciturn, three-eyed being. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like the Space Jam site, and you can still go there. <laughs> yeah, and they've they've released a couple of albums as as a collective. Uh, one was called Third Eye Vision, which was I think the more popular of the two. That was released in 1998, and then uh, I can't I can't, believe, I can't remember what the second one was, but um, Third Eye Vision was I thought was pretty good. They've got some decent songs on it. But, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of what everyone's up to these days. And, mm. you know, this is something that, like perhaps, uh, as I said, white chicks to a person who grew up with that as their, as their movie that they saw when they were, fi- like, you know, 13, 14, they were like, oh, my God, this is the funniest thing ever.
0: Damn you, USA Network. That's what happened to me, man, with this. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm glad it brings you joy Now
1: I think it's time for the grade But before we do the grade We really hate Tupac The album All Eyes on Me album Yes So I'm going to say That we change Regrettable dalliance To All Eyes on Me (laughs) (laughs) I like this Yeah and so, so that's I think the new the new scale all eyes on me which is the most putrid and terrible thing you've heard <laughs> fair enough that's accurate or seen you got the beige carpet you mm-hmm. just kind of feel you know neutral about it doesn't really matter right it's in the background the Atari Lynx underrated but not really cultural touchstone
0: level and then of course the apex the cultural touchstone exactly this is a perfect scale now. I think yes. everything is finally in place. Yeah, and then of course the absolute gold standard. Watch this to be is easy the, one, to the WTI. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So uh, of, of which so far we have issued only one. Correct, correct.
1: And and so I will defer to you as the uh, visitor to this to this work. What is your rating?
0: This. This is where my complex feelings come in. Okay. Because in good conscience, I cannot give this in all eyes on me. Okay. But I also, in good conscience, cannot give this... A cultural touchstone. I can't call it a cultural touchstone. It is not far-reaching enough. This falls into a category of what I think of as if you know, you know. Mm -hmm. And so, like, if this matters to you, it's huge. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have the wide reach that I could call it a cultural touchstone in any way. So, the two categories I'm left with are, of course, Atari Lynx Mm -hmm. and Beige Carpet. Mm -hmm. Now... Given everything that I've said about this, Hmm. we know very well that I cannot call this an Atari Lynx. Hmm. I'm sorry, but I just don't feel that this is something that needs to be uncovered by as many people as possible. I don't feel Hmm. like it's gotten an inappropriate amount of press. Hmm. I feel like the people who want to know about it know about it for the most part. That said, if you're hearing this and you want to listen to this, you should listen to it. Um, Because this is all about putting a bug in your ear and being like, Oh, Hey, here's this thing that I didn't know existed or that I had, you know, I didn't know this information about it. So go find it. If you, if you're curious about it, go find it. Um, but if you weren't curious about rap battles, if you weren't curious about this beforehand, I cannot in good conscience recommend it. And so because of that, I've got to give this a beige carpet. Mm -hmm. It is not offensive. It is not extremely disappointing or extremely edifying. I do not feel like I have had a new world opened to me by this. So although I recognize and I'm really glad to have learned about what this means to you, Mm -hmm. I got to stick it with a beige carpet. Okay.
1: I mean, I'm going to stick it with a... I'm not even going to make it a cultural touchstone because I don't think it is. I would have cried foul if you had. It is. We fire. would have ended the podcast right now. If you it is. Given it it a is an Atari Lynx to me because I think it's underrated, and I think people should know about it and listen to it because I,
0: I found enjoyment in it. So, I had a feeling as I was sitting at work, hashing out my thoughts on this, mm-hmm. that that was exactly what we were going to come up with. Exactly. So an Atari Carpet or a Beige Links, if you prefer. <laughs> Let's go Beige Links. Oh, beige great. Links. Yeah, man. So the inaugural the inaugural Beige Links Award. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as we get into just so many gradations that the scale will eventually not make any sense whatsoever. No, no, it won't it won't. No so yes, we're not we're not coming to an agreement on here, but I feel like we're coming to an understanding. Yeah yeah and that's, it's okay. Don't need to agree on everything. No, I think it comes down to if you want if you want to see this or if you want to experience this, you should experience it. If yeah. you don't want to experience it, then it's fine. Yeah. You didn't miss anything. You didn't miss out on anything. Mm -hmm. There's no FOMO here. No.
1: So that being said, um, what's, what's next, bro?
0: I feel like we've been doing a lot of albums lately, Mm -hmm. um, or auditory experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas we've only done the, it feels like we've, we've only done the one movie, Smokey and the Bandit. Um, and then we did a lot of albums. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bring it back to the movies for what may be the last thing that we record uh, in the year of our Lord 2022. I don't know. It seems like it seems like we're getting together about every five weeks to do this. <laughs> so no, we'll, we'll get we'll together, together more. We'll try and get together yeah, more often. But uh, So I'm going to bring it back to the movies. Okay. Now, have you ever seen the movie star trek to the wrath of khan i have not have you ever read the book moby dick no i'm gonna do you a solid i'm going to recommend that you see one of the best sci-fi movies of the 1980s and never read moby dick <laughs> okay that's a double dip for you you won't have to read moby dick you only have to see star trek 2 because reading sucks okay okay i'm I'm, I'm on board, man. So, the second film in the Star Trek series, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, starring William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly, Michelle Nichols, Walter Koenig, James Doohan, and the incomparable Ricardo Montalban. Oh, really? As the titular Khan. Wow. Okay, okay. So. Very well. I think we're all in for a treat. Could be wrong. We all know it's a possibility, but... Uh, So put on hold any plans you have to read Moby Dick. Okay. Forever. (laughs) That book is hot garbage. (laughs) Okay. Just watch Star Trek 2. We'll all have a good time. All right. With that, I bid you farewell. Goodbye. Watch this immediately.